Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Pastor Elijah Hollis. So the first question, and you know, some have asked these questions, and we just want to talk through them. Sometimes it's good just to have conversation and, and find out, like, how can we do this as a family, right? This is why we sit around a table. This is why we sit around tables here at Change, because we believe that life happens in circles, and we do life together. And it's in these dialogues, it's in these conversations, that we really find out what life's all about. And I'll learn from you. You can learn from me. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll learn a lot from each other's mistakes, or the successes that we've had. And so we want to talk through, the first question we're going to talk about is like, how do we become a church that is returning to our position and becoming the light of the world? You know, I think that's huge. And I think sometimes when we talk about church, we kind of get the menta- mentality of that it's a collective thing. But I really feel like that God is a God of the individual. And so it really comes down to us deciding for our homes and our lives that w- it starts with us. And that this movement of God that is going throughout the world and that God wants to do in and through it, it happens in our hearts first. So I think the first thing of getting a position is to realize that it's not about just gathering and doing church. It's about a relationship with Jesus and getting passionate for our Savior. It's about getting in that relationship where we are in tune with him, we're in love with him, we're seeking after him, and getting back to that place of not just coming together and singing some songs and, and, and loving each other, but really understanding we are in love with our Savior, and we are lovesick, we're obsessed with who he is, and really coming back to that place uh, of, of loving him and joining together. But I just, I, I can't imagine, you know, what would happen if you you got this time with God where you are so in line with him and came out of his presence just full and you're doing life on purpose and every day you're hearing his voice. Can you imagine what that would look like if you and your family came into this place and me and my family, we were diving into God and we came into this place and that family over there and that family there, we all came into this place full of Jesus. What a manifestation of who he is would be in this place. Because we'd be in alignment with who he is. We'd be in alignment with what he's doing. And we'd be hungry for what he has. It would just be, it'd be more than just like doing church. But it'd literally be like we want to touch heaven and bring it down. Yeah, I feel like too, um, and you may have heard this before, but uh, one of our taglines here at Change is that was church, this is change. And that came years ago before we ever planned what change was going to be like we didn't even know if change was going to be a church or a movement we just we knew what we were called to do and we felt like that was church this is change like redefining what this looks like and I think that's one of the other keys to to returning to this is doing life like Jesus did life and I think we come here on a Sunday and we gather collectively to celebrate what God has done all week. That's what we're called to do in the Bible. But if we look back at Jesus's life, Jesus was doing miracles and he was seeing life change happen in his day-to-day life. And that's where whenever we first like launched change, people would ask us, well, what does that mean? That was church. This is change. Like what's different about that? And I think to us, change is a Monday to Saturday church. That's what we say all the time. It's a Monday to Saturday church. We are each living it out 
all week in our lives, in our jobs, in our families, at our kids' schools, like at our schools or colleges, whatever that looks like, we're living that out. And then we're coming in Sunday to celebrate what God has done, to get refreshed and ready to go for what God has in the next week. And I think that's one of the biggest keys is living that out outside of this place on a Sunday, that Sunday doesn't just become a time that we put in time or we go to church because we're supposed to, but it's a time that gets us ready for all week. Totally. And it reminds me of one of our core values that's healthy families helps hurting families. And it's silly for us to think that we're going to help anybody when we're hurting inside as well. We have to get to that, that place where God heals us, you know? And I always think about it like if someone had a broken leg and if they don't let it heal properly, if they try to go help someone else with a broken leg, they're going to fall over as well. It's hard to help somebody when you're hurting yourself. And so you have to get in God's presence. And that in his presence is where he heals. And he heals you. He heals your past, the things that you, you know, come into the relationship with. You know, if you're married, you come into a relationship with a bunch of normals and baggage. And God works those things out to where you're healed and whole. And then out of that, out of the abundance of the relationship with Jesus, you know, comes this amazing thing. And when we get alignment with him, it's his v- vision that we take on for our lives. You know, I, I think whenever we just get in the, the motions of life and get in the motions, we get into our views and our visions. And everybody knows that God is the one who establishes the steps, right? He's the one who establishes the things on this earth. And so whenever we get in alignment with his vision, we're establishing now. We're establishing for our families. We're establishing things for our homes and our lives and our jobs and our careers. And everything is in alignment with what he is doing. And I think that's huge. And uh, John chapter 17, we looked at it last week. But we looked, it, it says, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And it's this picture of like everything coming together and not being able to see the difference of it. Like all these colors come together when you have red and blue and you bring them together and it makes purple. You can't tell a separation of blue and red. All of a sudden it's one. And that's what happens is when we get in his presence and we really have this relationship with him, it becomes just one. To where we can't tell the separation between what we do and what God is doing because it's all one thing. And then when we come together collectively, that's when it's like, wow, we're all in unity because he's speaking the same thing. He's speaking the same thing to us. But I think it's understanding that it's an, it's an individual God. He, he's speaking to the individual. And I can't go off of your things, and you can't go off of, of my gifts and talents because that's not what God's speaking to you. It's different. And so I can look at Ashley all day and be like, man, I want to be organized. Like, I want to just put things in order, and I want to be able to Yay, delegate. Like spreadsheets. Hey, I don't know what spreadsheets are, but they're so cool. Like, I wish I, wish I did. And so I can look at your gifts all day long and be like, babe, you're awesome. I want to be that. I think God's going to use me to do that. Well, that would be silly because that's not what God called me to do. I'm, I'm more like creative and visual, and I like to see things and, you know, make things come to life. Like that's, that's who I am. So I come alive in my relationship with God, and he shows me and teaches me what that looks like for me. Um, I want to talk to you about some practical things we can do to return. So we talked about this whole relationship with God and coming back to our first love, but like practically, how do we do that? You know, how do we set in motion that we're seeking his face? What does that even mean to seek Jesus, you know? Yeah, for me, um, this is just like, you know, if you 
uh, w have a job in here, if you maybe go to school, have kids, whatever, you know life can get crazy. Anyone else feel like sometimes life can get crazy? And you feel like everything is calling for your attention. And I remember, I believe it was Lisa Turkhurst who said that I listen, she said, I listen to the whispers of God before the shouts of the world. And that was so like revolutionary to me. And, and you know, it just, it rocked my world because I remember thinking, you know, when I wake up in the morning, my kids are like right there calling for me. Like, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. And then at the same time, I turn on my phone and like my email inbox is like coming at me. And I'm like, no, stop, like why the emails? And then social media is going off and text messages and it's this, that, and the other. And everything can be vying for your attention when you get up in the morning. And I think one of the most practical things that I ever did that just absolutely changed my walk with God was spending that time in the morning to hear the whispers of God and to hear who God says I am. And, you know, this, this whole day of, of doing this panel and this real talk is really for you to jot down ideas, jot down thought-provoking questions, and we hope that you take this and that you sit and have these kinds of conversations with your family or with your friends, and you sit down and say, okay, what does this look like? Maybe you take it home and you say, what should I do? Like, because what I do in my walk with God is not what's gonna work in your schedule. They're, they're gonna be different in our lives. Or we're all at different points in life. But I think it's, it's taking these little, these little um, little questions, these little thoughts, right, and just kind of applying them. And so I would challenge you, what is God whispering to you? That was a, a huge thing I did is I sat down one day, and I do this fairly often, I would say every season of my life, I'll sit down and do this because if you know like your life changes from high school to college and then your life changes from college to you get married and have a job and then you have kids, life is always changing. And so one of the things that I did is I sat down and I made a list and I just began to pray, God, what have you called me to do? Who am I? What is my calling? What is my purpose? What are my talents? And then we did it together in our relationship. What are you calling us to do? What are you calling our family to do? And our kids, what is God calling our kids to do? And, and I wrote this down, and the reason is because we say all the time that people will speak things over you, and you need to know who you are. Sometimes labels aren't bad. Sometimes they're good labels, but they're not God labels. And I don't know if you've ever had that kind of moment where people have told me like, oh my word, Ash, you should totally do that or this or what. And I'm like, oh, I totally should. That's such a good idea. And then I think in my head, wait, hold on. Was that what I'm called to do? Or is that just like a good option for the time being? And so I would challenge you in a very practical sense, take that time, listen to God and write down who am I and what am I called to do? That's so good. Um, I think too, like knowing your sweet spot for your season. And so knowing what season you're in and being intelligent in that and, and knowing that, okay, so like all growing up, I was a morning, like totally like I had my devotions in the morning. And so that was my big thing. We got married, same thing, brought into the morning. Well, then I had kids and kids are up all night. Well, ours were like Zion was crazy. Like he's, he's six, six years old, about to be seven. But like when he was a baby, he was just at 11 o'clock, on like he was just alive and well and like screaming so like 
I at first I was like, oh my word, like go to bed, kid. I want to go to bed too. Like I want to sleep. Like you know, dad life, right? Like you just never get sleep. And so I was like, this is so dumb. But then I realized, wow, this is the season I'm in, and God is kind of opening this window to have my prayer time at night. So I was like, all right, kid, scream all you want. This is my prayer time. Like, I'm going to get it with God. And so I had hours at night where I would just walk the house and pray over my family, pray over this kid. Like, that's why Zion's the way he is, because he had so much prayer because of all of his screaming. So I just prayed over him. I'm like, God, use him to be a mighty man of God. I'm patting. Like, I'm still a parent. Whenever, you get, whenever you're a parent and you get a kid in your arms, you just start rocking and shaking. I don't know what it is. It's just a natural parent thing. <laughs> the sway, the patting, the booty. Um, but I, I use that season. So whatever season you're in, knowing your sweet spot, knowing it might be morning right now, and that's great, but not to get caught up in it has to be morning. And if I don't have my morning, bummer, I can't do it. And that's what Ashley was talking about, the rhythm, is talking through that the rhythm is the relationship with God. That's what we desire. And so we're in a rhythm with him. Wherever he leads us, whatever it looks like. This morning, we might have all morning, we might have, time to read and really write down our thoughts and really just get in his presence. The next morning might be crazy. And so we have to find time to do it where we do it on our drive or we do it at night. We find our season that we're in and we set it in stone saying, this is where I am right now and this is what I can do. And I set it as a priority. And that's when we really sit down to the table with Jesus and learn. I love table talk because uh, it's so intentional. Like me and Ashley, we could be together all the time but if we don't intentionally say, all right, let's sit down, let's talk, how you been? You know, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind? You might, you might think, you know, I've been a terrible husband lately. You know, you need to let me know. Or you might think, man, life's really great right now. You know, and, and what I, I, we need to have that dialogue. But if we don't intentionally sit down and say, let's talk, then we're never going to happen. We're just going to go shallow. And sometimes we can get in the motions. And um, this is where I think a lot of Christians fail to get into the power of God. is because we go through the motions and we go to church. We have little conversations with him. God bless this food to my body. Thank you for it. Amen. You go to bed. God, thank you for this day. And those are like surface conversations. It's like, how is the weather? Weather's pretty good. Yeah, awesome. How are you doing? Good. All right, sweet. And then you go on with your life like surface. But if you want to take the relationship with God to the next level, you have to create margin. And margin time is huge. Like you'll see it in your books. Like books have margin on the side. And it's that bleed space where you can write notes or it's just open space. And I think in our, our time with God, you need to have the checklist. You need to have like, I'm going to read my word. I'm going to get a good book. I'm on a journal. But then you need to have margin time where you have a good 10, 15, 20 minutes where you just sit and your agenda becomes God's agenda. And you just let go. You say, all right, God, I'm going to ask a question and then I'm going to sit and wait. I'm going to listen for you. And that's the moments where you get into that passionate for God, seeking after his presence. That's the seeking, the turning and seeking after him and saying, God, what do you have? And then being quiet. Like, like seriously, sometimes I just have to tell myself, you need to shut up and listen to God. He needs to talk to you. He needs to speak to you. And it's in those times that I learn about him. And in that, I learn about me. And I come alive to who I am as a Christ follower, as a husband, as a person who is, you know, going after education and running a business. Like, I want to be everything I can be, um, but I'll never do that unless I'm intentional about creating that margin space to talk to the Father of all.
to sit at the table. And another thing too with that is creating a margin time. I think sometimes it's easier said than done, right? I don't know about you, but my mind will run a million miles an hour. And so when I tried originally to take that margin time and sit down, I would sit and be like, oh my word, I need to do this. Oh, did I send that text? Oh my goodness, wait, I gotta do this. Oh, I gotta go grocery shopping. And I would have a hundred different things that run through my mind. I know um, I've sat and talked with people before who do not like that quiet time because it's time thoughts come up from the past. Or it's a time that you begin to hear things, oh my word, you're not good enough. Or you haven't done that. Or what about this? And those thoughts, and that's where the Bible talks about taking things captive. And so for me, just in a very practical sense, I kept a, a piece of paper next to me during those margin times, and I would jot down the thought so that I knew, okay, it's out of my mind. Okay, I don't have to think about it again. Okay, I can just be done with that so that I can hear who God is calling me to be and what God is calling me to do. And when you start creating that margin time, it's like as you go and as you get to know God, you can't spend enough time in his presence. And sometimes we hear that and it's like you'll spend hours in God's presence. But, you know, it's like, it's like your best friend. Like I have best friends that I could hang out with all day, every day, and just still have a blast. And six days later, we've hung out all day, every day, and we still have so much fun together. And I feel like that's where as you get to know God, that's what that becomes is, oh my word, let's hang out again tomorrow. Oh my word, let's get coffee again tomorrow. Because he begins to speak into you what you're called to do and returning to that first love for him. Yeah, it's huge. And I think uh, one of the biggest things of, you know, turning from what we've done, always done, to what we need to be doing, uh, the only way to start, or to, I'm sorry, to stop old habits is to start new ones. And so, like, putting things in, in place and saying, okay, for the next week, I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to say, this is my morning time, this is my night time, whatever it is for your season, your sweet spot, and saying, I'm going to commit to this for a week, and you create a new habit. You used to sleep in, you used to push that snooze button, but not, no longer. Now you're saying, God, you're a priority. I have, and, and I heard a speaker say, I have an appointment with the king. And if I miss my appointment with somebody else, I'd feel terrible. Well, when I miss my, if I miss my appointment with the king, won't I feel terrible too? So thinking of it like that, like I'm going to set an appointment in my agenda, in my calendar, say, this is my appointment with the father, the king of all. He's going to speak into me. We're going to talk. We're going to sit down at the table. We're going to eat some food. He's going to fill me up so that I can do my life. But it's setting a new habit in motion, and, and it breaks the old habits. But you can't just break old habits. You have to start new ones. Um, so I encourage you even this week like to say, hey, for this, for this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, these are the times that I'm going to set apart and make room for his presence these are the things I'm going to seek after and just really go after him. But I love the, the scripture. We've been in Revelations chapter 2 with this series, and it's talked about, like, returning to your first love, to turn from your wicked ways and to seek after him, and then he'll hear. And then he goes on in verse 7 and he says of chapter 2. He says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. So he's talking about the one who has turned from their ways and now is seeking after him, and he's hearing him, and he's healing their land, he's forgiving their sins. Like, that's the victorious ones. He goes, for those that are victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. And it's almost like this picture of this fine meal. 
like this set-apart room. Like my grandma always had this room. It, we called it the untouchable room because it was white and full of breakable things, and so no kids were allowed, like ever. So like if we were in there, like alarms went off. Like, you know, everybody was like, <gasps> don't go in there. So it was the untouchable room. But on occasions, she would, she would open it up for like Christmas or find meals, and she'd put up all the breakable things, and then we <laughs> she'd always put up the breakable things for the kids to be in there. But she would set a table, and we were allowed into that place, that intimate place to have dinner. And I think about this, like God has this intimate place where he wants to speak into us. He wants to show your future. He doesn't want you to settle for just up here living. He wants you to get deep in the things of him. But it's for those that have turned from something and are seeking him now. It's for those that have set their time apart and say, God, I don't care the business of life will always call to me, but I'm going to quiet it for this time and sit at the table and really get in with you. And he says, for those of you that are hungry for this thing, I'm going to open up the doors to the untouchable room, the tree of life, where you can know the wisdom, know who I am, know what I'm doing in you. And he opens up to this intimate dinner with God. And I love that picture, and I think that's so huge. Um, but it even goes into, like, fasting, you know, and, and really setting that in time because um, cause we, we get, put the fasting sheets in the middle buckets so you could see we made this sheet, and it basically just breaks down what is fasting. And we, we truly believe in fasting because it's like the next level of desperation. And it, it basically tells your body to say, be quiet, hungers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this under submission so that I can really hear Jesus. It's not just giving up something just to give it up. It's giving up something to gain something. Right? right? It's giving up food so you can gain his presence. It's giving up technology so you can hear his voice. You know, it's giving up something so that you can get in his presence and really hear him and dive into what is the heartbeat of God. And honestly, fasting changes your perspective. Like, it is incredible. Elijah and I, it's almost two years ago now in July, we took a month and we had a sabbatical. We had been at our church um, previously for 10 years, and we they blessed us with the month of July off to go pray about what God had for us in the future. And it was such a blessing, and we were so grateful for that. And we turned off our cell phones for a solid month. And let me tell you, it was incredible. Like we had no email, no text, no social media, nothing. And it was like the best way. And I think Elijah describes it the best. He says it was like hearing God in high definition. Like, have you ever watched like most TVs nowadays are pretty good picture, even if they're not HD, like they're good picture. But if you go back to an older television, it's like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with that? Like we didn't have cable, so we have to plug a computer into our TV to watch certain things. And it's like blurry and it's like, wow, this is so awkward. What happened? But that used to be normal. Like anyone remember when HD first came out and we were like, oh, you can see the blades of grass on the television and like, and all of that. And I feel like it's the same thing with fasting. It's putting things aside and it changes your perspective because it sets you up to be like, wow, I didn't realize how much time I was spending on social media or I didn't realize how much time, you know, you take an hour or two and put your phone away and you say, wow, I didn't realize how much the world was shouting for my attention. You turn off the television and sit with your family and talk. 
it is a game changer for you. And so I would encourage you to figure out what does that look like? We don't all need to fast from the same thing. Like everyone may have different things that they need to fast from that we say no to that to say yes to God so that it can transform our perspective and the way we hear God. Absolutely. So it's all really about aligning yourself with what God has for you, you know? And the only way to do that, the only way for me to know Ashley's heart and her intentions and what she desires to do something is for me to sit down and say, Ashley, what do you have going on? And so it's really coming to that point where we're intentionally making a decision to dive into God. Don't you want that for your life? Don't you want that for your family? Like, I want, I want so much for God to pour out who he is, and I don't just want a little bit. I want all of it. I want all that he intends for me. I don't want to get to heaven and find out there's buckets and buckets of blessing that I missed because I wasn't desperate. I didn't seek after him. And when we come into here, like on a weekend experience, and when we go throughout our days and we're going to our jobs or schools or, or whatever we're going to, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we were just in tune with the Father and he was moving through us? And we were getting into his presence and really seeking after him. And he was coming down and doing miracles among us. Can you imagine if someone said, I'm sick, and you're like, man, let's just pray. And God just heals them right then and there. Yeah. That'd be amazing. And, and I really encourage you to, like, have that sense of adventure that you need Jesus. If you're not living a life of adventure, sometimes you don't think you need him. But if you step out in faith and you start inviting somebody to church, you know, or you start inviting somebody into, to the table to say, hey, come sit with me at my table. When you start doing that, you live a life of adventure. You start looking for opportunities. Or you start praying, God, give me opportunities to pray for somebody today. Man, that's huge. You need him to show up. You need his presence. Or you're kind of out on a limb. You're kind of walking on water on your own. And so it's just really diving into that life saying, God, I want all of you. I'm lovesick for you. You know, I'm obsessed with you. Um, but that's huge. And I think it's also returning to when something was new. I was sharing in first experience, Elijah and his family love new things. I used to always laugh when his mom and I would go grocery shopping and she would be like, oh my word, Ashley, this is new. Like we have to get this. And I'm like, what is it? And she's like, it's new. I'm like, I think they only changed the packaging. Like, I don't think that the Oreos are different or I don't think, but it was new. It said new on it. And they used to just love new. And I think that that's how we're all wired, right? Like for me, I love to tell people about the new coffee shop I went to. When I first went and tried La Colombe's draft latte, it was a game changer in my life. Like I love coffee so much. Every person I was meeting with, I was like, do you want to meet at La Colombe? Oh, my word, you have to try their draft latte. It is so good. It's so great. And I would take everybody. And then La Colombe became an ordinary because I had it all the time, because I had a lot of meetings here. And so I would go to La Colombe, but it wasn't the I got to tell you about it, I got to take you to it. It was I went because I needed to get some work done in between things, or I went to like just, I don't know, talk with somebody, or it became just a normal. And I think sometimes in our walk with God, we have to watch ourselves because we can easily go that direction 
at any point. And it doesn't matter. It could be that you've been in church for like 20 or 30 years, maybe one month. We all hit that point at a different time. But it's returning to when something was so amazing and so new that you couldn't wait to tell somebody about it. And I wonder how many of us have gotten in the habit of going to church or we've gotten in the habit like, yeah, I just did my devotions. Okay, wrote in my journal, like awesome, you know, and I've, I've been there. I've gone through the motions and I've thought, okay, I need to get this done and I need to do that. And it is such a game changer when you return to your first love, when you say, God, I'm going to journal because I want to like document. I want to record what you're doing. It's like Elijah said, it's perspective. It's the perspective of I am so blessed that I get to come to a church on Sunday and experience the presence of God. And we say all the time, I'm so grateful that I can invite my friends and my family to church openly because of the country that we live in. And I am so thankful for that. But how many times do we take it as a, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll do it next week. I mean, yeah, I'm just going to church. I, I got to go because it's Sunday and it's what I'm supposed to do. Or I'm doing devotions because, yeah, I need to. And then we get to the time where we're like, oh, God, we need you to move. We need you. And, and so I would challenge you as we, as we close out today, what do you need to do to return to your first love? See, each of us need to do something different. It may be for me, it was the soap method of devotion. And that has been such a game changer for me in this past year or two of my walk with God. I grew up a pastor's kid um, my whole life. And so I've been in church since like when I was three days old. Like I've just been in church my whole life. And so reading the word of God it became something that I, when I did this SOAP method, and it's an acronym if you want to write it down, it's S is for scripture, O is for observation, A is for application, and P is prayer. And you write down a scripture, and so you can take anything. You can go through the Gospels. You can go through Psalms, whatever you may feel like you want to go through. And so we go through the scripture, and we write it down. And then we write down our observation about that scripture. What did you observe? What did you see in that scripture? And then application, how does it apply to our life? Because the Bible is like real life. It is still as powerful today as it was when it was first written. And so it's writing down that application and then prayer. And it's writing down a prayer based on what you've just read and then titling it. And so I don't know what this looks like for each of us to return to our first love. But there's something about getting back to that point where it's new and it's something you can't wait to talk about. Elijah challenged us in the first experience. How are we doing with the Great Commission? What are you doing? What am I doing with the Great Commission? You know, I asked Joey if I could share this because Joey plays drums here on Sunday mornings. And when we were youth pastors, Elijah and I were youth pastors for 10 years um, before launching Change. And when we were youth pastors, Allie, which is Elijah's sister, she brought her whole school to our youth group. I mean, we're talking like person after person after person. She filled the youth group with her school because she was so on fire and she was so passionate for God. And she brought person after person. And I remember hearing that she invited this guy that she sat with, Joey, like week after week after week. She'd be like, Joey's going to come. I think Joey's coming. Joey's coming. And she would invite him and invite him and invite him and invite him. Well, one time, I mean 50, 60, 70 times, okay? This is not like twice, like forever she invited Joey. 
Well, he, he did not come. He did not want to come. He did not have anything to do with it. And so he came to youth group one day, and the reason Joey came was strictly to get Allie to stop asking. Like, he was like, maybe if I go to church with her, she'll quit bugging me about it. We can just go back to friends. Like, okay. And so he comes to um, youth group, and, man, God rocked his world. And now, and then he felt called to ministry and he went to master's commission and he's playing drums and he's helping lead worship. And I look at what God did off of one invite, one persistent invite. God changed a life, but it was because of Allie's passion for God. It was because she refused to quit. It was because she was at that point where it was new, like it was still real. She was still experiencing the power of God. And so she told Joey every week, week after week, you have to come experience it. You have to understand, like, please come, please come to where he understood. And so I would ask us before we leave here today, what are we, where are we at? Are you passionate like that? Is your walk with God still new? Is it something you're seeking after? Is it something that you're going for and you're hearing God speak? Maybe you've been in church for 30 years. Maybe this is your first Sunday. But we serve a God who is, like Elijah said, a God of the individual, a speaking God, a God that wants to meet us where we are and bring exactly what we need to a situation. And so if you would bow your heads with me, close your eyes as we close out this time. I just want to pray over us, and I want to pray that God would begin to speak to each of us what we need to do and where we need to go and what we need to put in place to return to that first love. It's, it's being intentional on a practical level. It's setting things up to have that relationship with God. But before we pray that, if, if you, would, you would say, you know what, Ashley, I haven't started a walk with God yet, or maybe I, I did but man, I need to re-give my life to God. I want God to be the Lord of my life. I want him to come in and begin that relationship. We say our core value is relationship over regimen. God is a God of relationship, and he wants to have relationship with us. And if that's you and you would say, you know, I want to start a walk with God. I want to give my heart to God today. Would you just raise your hand with all eyes closed? Amen. 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 Would you, just, would you just pray this prayer with me today? God, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for coming into our hearts. And God, you died on the cross and rose again for us, and for us to walk in your power and to have relationship with us. God, we are healed, and you have taken all sin. And God, right now, I pray for these individuals that have chosen to give their lives to you, God, I pray for a fresh start. I pray for a strength and a freedom from the past. And as they move into the future, God, I thank you that you are speaking and that you are leading and that you are guiding them. God, I pray for each of us. If we've had a relationship for a time before this, God, that you would just come and that you would take us to a new level with you, that you would begin to allow us to experience you in a new way, God, that things would be in place to go to new levels, to hear you in new ways. God, to hear your calling in a new way. God, we love you, we trust you, and we thank you for what you've done today in this place. In your name, amen. 
At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.